name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. This episode is brought to you by Ned. Let's talk about CBD. The CBD market feels really saturated these days, doesn't it? It seems like you can get it at any coffee shop or grocery store, and many CBD brands actually source their hemp from industrial hemp farms in China. The brand that we love, and more importantly, the brand that we trust is Ned. Ned produces some of the highest quality CBD available in the world, and Erica and I only partner with brands that we ourselves use. Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products, and their extraction process all right there on their website. Ned is also USDA certified organic with all products extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Peonia, Colorado. How is that for knowing exactly where your CBD comes from? We have both been longtime users of Ned. I rely on the full spectrum hemp oil to help with anxiety and the hormone balance blend has been a game changer as I transitioned off of birth control. And today we want to talk about Ned's new product, which has been in development for over a year, the de-stress blend. I've gone through two bottles since it's come out and I could not be more obsessed with the benefits and the effects. This one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG is made from the world's purest full spectrum hemp and check out these ingredients. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. Ashwagandha is an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the delicious taste of this blend is thanks to the botanical infusion of cardamom and cinnamon. Cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health, a key player in your mental health. And cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Also, Ned's quality speaks for itself. The products have over 1,500 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners within the medical field like Dr. Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole, who has been a two-time guest on this podcast. If you'd like to give Ned a try, Courageous Wellness listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code CWPODCAST. Visit helloned.com slash CWPODCAST to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash CWPODCAST to get 15% off. 
Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. You can also find a link in our show notes. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Courageous Wellness. Um, We have a really great episode today with Tara Zinneman, who just loved this conversation, really gained so much from this conversation, and we can't wait for you to hear it. But before we get into it, we're going to share our weekly updates. And we are recording this a little ahead of time because it's Thanksgiving week at the time of recording. And if you listened last week, Ali is, would have been in New York and traveling and, you know, all the family time. So future selves, but we do have some updates we saved for this episode and I have some food updates. Do you want to go first, Allie? I can talk food. What are you thinking? Um, yeah, well, I'm just thinking, yes, I hope everybody had a nice holiday and ate a lot of yummy food. Um, one of the things that I've just been really loving, um, which we've talked about before in the show, but maybe not in a little while, um, especially with doing some travel to different climates, to colder climates, is Vintner's Daughter Face Serum and their essence. And it's just, it's the best. And I've never been like a nut over products or anything, but I have to say since I started using their um their two products, it's like my skin is entirely different, especially because I'm, I'm really prone to dry skin. And so like in the drier climates or not even drier climates, just like in the colder climates, um, it can take a beating and yeah, we're lucky enough to have, um, a link for two day free shipping. If anybody's interested in trying Vintner's Daughter, but like, I can't recommend it enough. Erica, you got me started and yeah, I'm I evangelized. I'm evangelized. <laughs> no. And that's the thing as we were talking about, like we said, future Allie is in New York, but as we were talking, it's just the easiest thing to travel with pack with it's two steps in a skincare system. And it not only does it really streamline it, but the glow and the hydration and the ingredients, there's just nothing like it. And it lasts so long. And I'm a rituals person. Like I really found out, like, I really love having like my rituals, be it my coffee ritual, my morning ritual, as much as I can evenings. Um, and I, it makes a really luxurious ritual for your skincare routine. So check out that link. It's in our show notes. Um, yeah, let us know what you think if you've tried them because we love it. And I guess my update, like I said, I have some food updates that, um, I've been saving because, I guess I wanted to try it and experience these food items before I really shared it. But, um, we got sent some chocolate by a brand called blissfully better. And it is delicious, delicious chocolate. Like it's unbelievable. They're, um, they have, they're really good ingredients. I think they're four, five ingredient chocolate bars that are kind of broken up into bites. My personal favorites are the toffee crunch and the almond crunch. And I also really like the caramel. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. I love it so much. And I will be ordering it myself. We got sent. I know you got to try it too. Oh my gosh. It's delicious. And I like, Oh, we were big chocolate fans, but, um, 
Yes. It's definitely one of my new chocolates of choice. It's, and you don't need that much. Because I was going to say, Allie is dairy-free. She has been for it. So it's dairy-free. Well, some of them are dairy-free. Some of them are not. So I gave that to my husband. There's like, I did have a little bite of it. The caramel, it has some dairy in it, but they they use really good quality. And, but yeah, some of it's like dairy-free paleo, like how vegan, however you eat or, you know, the, just the ingredients are super high quality and delicious. So yeah, no. And then the second, the second food item or the food service I tried is, um, you know, I really do love meal delivery services sometimes for in a pinch. And I love Sakara. We have a code with them. Exo courageous can save you 20%. I love model meals, but I was kind of looking for something new. And, um, I tried something called balanced bites and I saw it through Robin Euclid, who was a guest on our podcast in 2019. And she has a dish with them that I think she curated and I saw it and I was like, this looks really yummy. And I ordered some of their meals that come frozen and they last in the freezer for six months and in the fridge for three days. And it was, um, delicious. It was just yummy, delicious. They have lots of different dietary options. Like I got different meals for my husband that I knew he would like. I got dishes for me that I knew I'd like, and it was really good. So I just wanted to share that. Cause I, I feel like we get asked a lot or people are always searching for as well, like good meal delivery services. And the price was also really right too. So check out balance bites. If you, I know during the holidays, it can be, you know, difficult sometimes to cook and meal prep, especially when you're really busy. And I really recommend them. So now those are like my three go-tos, Sakara, Model Meals, and Balanced Bites. So cool. happy to have a third. Yeah. Oh, cool. Those are my updates, food updates. <laughs> awesome. Well, we want to remind everybody before we get to the episode that we're running an amazing promo right now, especially for our Los Angeles listeners. And we have a code, CWBESTIE, that gets you into either of the LA milk and honey spa locations with a friend. You just have to book with somebody else and you get 50% off both of your services. So with this code CWBestie, you get 50% off for both of you, which is really two for the price of one. Awesome, awesome. Anything from facials to massages. And um, again, this is just through the end of the year. So take advantage of it while it lasts. And if you are riding solo and maybe not in Los Angeles, but in Texas or Chicago or Miami, where any other milk and honey spa locations are, um, you can always use the code CW podcast for 20% off. And right now that's both for new and returning um, clients. So check it out. We're huge fans. We've been working with them for a long time. And, um, I recently had a massage and it was awesome. Um, so anyway, just wanted to remind you all of that, uh, while it lasts through the end of the year. Yep. Well, we have such a good episode. Do you want to get to it, Allie? Yes, let's get started. So today we have Dr. Tara Zinneman, who is a neuroscientist, yoga, breath work, and meditation teacher committed to moving her community toward wellness and expansion. Straddling two seemingly disparate approaches, she has found through her research, clinical, and lived experiences that the human mind and body are capable of self-healing and immeasurable feats. Her intention is to encourage self-awareness, connection, and resilience in the practice of yoga and in life. 
And in this conversation, we discuss her powerful journey to the world of yoga, rest as resistance to capitalism, mental health, neuroscience, and so much more. Enjoy the episode. Hi guys, before we get to today's episode, we want to share how excited we are to offer our community 20% off their first order at Sakara with code XO Courageous. We have been big fans of the company for years, and the Sakara Life Organic Meal Delivery Program is based on a whole food, plant-rich diet that includes fresh, nutrient-dense, and delicious ingredients. It's perfect for those weeks you need a refresh or don't have time to meal prep. They also have a clean boutique, which offers delicious food forward bars, snacks, beauty water drops, and my personal favorite metabolism super powder, which works to fire up your metabolism, stabilize blood sugar, eliminate bloat and decrease puffiness. The naturally rich low sugar, dark chocolate flavor is perfect for smoothies or simply mixed with coffee and nut milk. I also regularly use the Sakar cookbook full of plant-rich recipes, which you can purchase on their website. Click the link in our show notes to visit sakara.com and use code XO courageous for 20% off your first order. We know you will love it as much as we do now onto the episode. Thank you, Tara, for joining us today. We are, we've been looking forward to this conversation and having you on the show. Uh, just to get started, can you share with our audience a little bit about your background and um, what has led you to the work that you do and into this space of wellness? Sure. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Allie and Erica. I started on my wellness journey, I think, through a lot of tumult, um, a lot of, I'll say growing up on the South side of Chicago as a little black girl, um, I ended up luckily being put into situations that weren't meant for me, um, that weren't created for me. So I think throughout my life, I've had to create space for myself and places that weren't designated for me. Um, and I think through a lot of that, so growing up on the South side of Chicago, luckily um, my parents ended up moving to Los Angeles for a few years when I was about five. Um, and in that they ended up seeing how great the school system was here in comparison. Um, this is back in the nineties in comparison to Chicago. So when we moved back to Chicago, um, my mother actually had the wherewithal even being in her 20s, um, to lie about where we lived so that I could go to a better school. Um, and in that, going to that school, I ended up getting placed in gifted programs, um, ended up getting a scholarship to one of the best liberal arts college, well, the best liberal arts college in, in the country. And I like hesitate to say these things sometimes, um, but I have to remind myself like, Yes, I'm Tara, but I'm also Dr. Tara, and I've earned I've earned those letters um, through a lot of situations that uh, were very difficult. So I say all that to say that growing up um, in gifted programs, going to elite universities with children of like millionaires and billionaires, and then ended up going um, to London for a few years. I did my master's. I worked for a few years in industry as a neuroscientist um, and then ended up doing my PhD in neuroscience. And with all of that, 
came a lot of, um, I think for me, it was a lot of shame of where I come from, considering where um, I was and, and the values that our society holds. Um, so with that, in addition to, again, being a Black woman raised by so many Black women, um, putting down a lot of my emotions, a lot of my frustration, a lot of my sadness, a lot of my disappointment, a lot of my anger, um, bearing that down for so long ended up um, manifesting in some interesting ways. So there's definitely a few moments where I had, I would say orthorexia, um, obsession with healthy eating. I was a dancer for a long time, also did long and triple jump and was competing you know, nationally at the collegiate level. So it was all about what my body could do to perform different dances, different um, movements, and then also how I could compete against others um, with my body, with my mind as well. Um, so it definitely led to some bouts of like anorexia, some bouts of uh, uh, dabbled in bulimia. There were a lot of um, issues, I think, with me in control and me wanting to change a lot of what people saw on the outside um, as much as I could, considering that I'm still going to be a Black woman. I'm still going to be five foot ten, so I've always like taken up a lot of physical space too. Um, so making myself no longer feel small in those rooms um, was a lot of my work. And also doing a PhD will drive you insane. So <laughs> in addition to that, I had um, a, a few moments um, during my PhD and just from my life in general where I was very, um, very sad. Honestly, just had some depression um, had a lot of anger and frustration I had to work through and yoga was my first vehicle to do that. It started off as, um, a cross training method for, as I was training, um, for dance. I, I was a contemporary dancer, Martha Graham trained. Um, so we used to do Pilates and yoga once a week. And at first it was purely physical. I like joined like a really cool hot gym hot yoga class where I was like all right we're gonna get the sculpt in we're gonna do the weights and we're gonna move our body to hopefully for me it was to change the way that it looked and change the way that it performed and yoga sneaky in that way that it ends up being um, it ends up permeating your life in ways usually after a longer time or shorter time if you come into it with that wherewithal but me as like an 18 year old was just like I want to be cute I'm gonna go and run and work out and go on the treadmill and like even though I sorry can I curse I freaking hated running okay cool I fucking hated running but I was like oh that's what you do to to get thin, to stay thin. Um, so there was a lot of like body image stuff there was a lot of me not feeling um, welcome in a lot of the spaces um, that I navigated um, and a lot of sadness based on, you know, some of the things I've gone through with my family, my parents, a lot of like intergenerational trauma and struggle. Um, and yeah, I ended up here. Now I work for open. I teach yoga, breath work and meditation um, and also do some scientific research for them and scientific content creation. So what felt like very disparate um, life paths and roles have been able to, to blend. Um, so I'm able to look at things from a scientific, yes, Western, very medical sense, 
as to what's going on with our bodies, our brains and our breath during, um, during these practices, but also I like to call myself woo adjacent. <laughs> I definitely like, I, I like love acupuncture and which again, it shouldn't even be East, but considered East. Um, I love energy work. I have had some pretty wild experiences just in the past week of um, like channels and psychics, like channeling my mother who's passed away recently. And like, so I like to say that I'm able to um, straddle two seeming disparate worlds um, in what I do. So that was a very long answer, but no. that's how I got here. <laughs> thank you. I mean, it was, thank you. Your journey is so, it's so powerful and beautiful. And um, yeah, I feel like we're woo adjacent too. Like, so I'm like, you're kind of speaking our language. Um, yeah. Yes. Thank you for I giving us language for that. Cause we're like, <laughs> We're also not like super woo, but we're woo, we're woo adjacent. So yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little more really... woo in certain like fields and then like, yeah. but we have that good balance right between like the science and the woo, woo adjacent. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, but again, your journey is so, um, you know, thank you for taking us through childhood to your, um, entrance into the world of yoga and, and to where you are today. And I think so much of your journey in so many different ways is so relatable. I can relate to it in so many different ways. My parents actually used to, um, we went through a lot in my childhood and I actually haven't shared this on the podcast, but they used an address to let me, allow me to go to better public schools. And, um, it's interesting. And this is going to lead into my next question, but as you were talking, it's almost like, not that I forgot that that happened. Right. But it's like, when you live, when a lot happens, I think in your early childhood, it's like, you can't, you can't remember everything. Right. Or like, you can't, like, you gotta, you got the big themes, but sometimes the specifics kind of fade until you're in a podcast interview and you're like, Oh, I had that experience or right. And I, yeah. I say this because right. A lot happened in your childhood that then led to these issues in adulthood that who doesn't can't relate to that, but how, and you mentioned the word shame. So how did you start to unpack the shame around your story? And you mentioned like you found yoga and it did start to open (laughs) you up. But um, I guess like, can we talk about that time between like the healing part of your entrance into yoga from all of this heaviness that you did experience as a child, heaviness and beauty, right? Like I think they can go hand in hand, but um, yeah, maybe we can start there. Yeah, I um honestly, I think it was in reality, it was likely a gradual shift of me just becoming more open, um, more clear, um, and owning my story. Um, not in the sense of um, oh no, people will judge me for where I come from or what my parents have done or X, Y, and Z into pride almost like look where I've come despite statistically speaking I shouldn't be here like I have no idea how many black women have a PhD in neuroscience but it's probably a very small number um I have no idea how many people have had the opportunities that I've had and I'm very grateful for those and especially given 
you know, exactly my background, my demographic, I shouldn't be in a lot of the rooms that I'm in. Um, so it ended up being more of a matter of pride of saying, look at all the obstacles I've had to overcome and look at where I am now. And don't get me wrong, that's led me astray many, many ways. I think honestly, me even doing my PhD was because I was offered a fellowship from the National Institute of Health. My family, you know, I'm I'm the first generation to graduate from college and to have these opportunities handed to me and for me to turn them down, even though deep down, I think it was very clear that I wasn't meant to be a scientist um, for the rest of my life. Um, Even my partner at the time watched me. I was, I had just finished my master's degree. We were in London at the time. um, And he was like, why do you want to do a PhD? He could see very clearly in ways that I couldn't. He was like, why do you want this? And then at my graduation, he met my mom and saw how beaming she was, how proud she was, how proud my uncle was. And he was like, oh, I get it now. Like you're doing it for the culture. You're doing it for your ancestors. You're doing it beyond yourself. And that's also what led me to pretty some pretty dark times of me realizing I don't want to do my PhD, but I can't quit because I did also feel that weight. Um, and luckily I took a break in my PhD to do my yoga teacher training. Um, and that honestly saved me, um, that pause for a month to have an immersive experience, just like deepening the practice in my body and starting to, that was also where I was first exposed to Ayurveda and like finding these um, healing tools that have been passed down for so long that just intrinsically make so much sense. Um, So to answer your question, I think there was likely a gradual shift of yoga, Ayurveda, meditation, breath work kind of seeping into my being and me confronting myself and confronting um, where I and my family and my ancestors have been and where we've come to. Um, but for me, it feels like I was just like one day, like, I don't care. This is who I am and I'm not ashamed. But in reality, I'm telling myself that story that it was quick, but it, it's been a long time. I started practicing yoga in 2007. So it's been a long time. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's interesting. I mean, it all makes sense, the complexity of it all and and the pressures, but also the um, kind of responsibility that you took on with that journey, even if it wasn't always serving you as an individual in maybe the way that was for your highest good, but then it also led you and maybe to yoga and, and finding that. And I'm so, I'm kind of interested to ask like now, as a neuroscientist, as far as like your training goes, you're a doctor of neuroscience. And now you're also um, a yoga teacher, practitioner. As you were saying, you kind of straddle these worlds um, and have found sort of maybe where they even intersect. And that's something that I'm interested in learning about with your sort of unique perspective on, on these approaches to understanding the mind, um, and the body, what have you learned, I guess, through your experience and maybe through your research, like where do they intersect and what have you learned about the connection 
between it all. Yeah. I think that one of the best examples, one of the clearest examples, just because it's new, it's the new buzzword, um, breath work. I think that breath work has been a, a practice in so many communities for so many centuries and so many thousands of years. And just now is the science finally, I wanna say validifying, but it never needed that. Um, I think the other issue is that I always try to look at things from which energies are trying to be balanced. And um, when I think of science, I think very masculine, very logical, very like A plus B equals C, and there's no other way around it. Um, and then I think of the intuitive knowledge of more Eastern philosophies. Um, and it they seem like they're super separate, but they overlap. It really is like a Venn diagram. Um, so when we think about breath work, when we think about changing our respiratory rate, and when we think about the activation of the vagus nerve, which is going to turn on and start to create um, the cascade of hormones and signaling that will start to slow your breath down, slow your body down and start to activate parasympathetic nervous system. So turning on rest and digest versus other breath work styles that you can do, which kind of start to upregulate the body. Um, and I think it's, it's just so beautiful now that we can have both. Although why wouldn't it have been enough just to feel the change and to feel the difference? Um, but I know for a lot of people that that's not enough. So I think that's where we can blend the two worlds. Um, so yeah, breath work, I think is the clearest indicator. Although there's so many studies that also show that um, breath work plus yoga at the same time can start to activate um, parts of the brain and body that start to um, increase perception, perceptiveness, start to reduce this, the, the, I was going to say size of the ego, but egos probably don't change in size directly. Um, it's more so our perception of our ego um, and our interconnectedness um, starts to increase as we're doing yoga, also as we're doing breath work. Um, and also as we meditate, it's, it's wild that these, these three tools um, end up targeting very similar areas of the brain. Um, and it's, it's beautiful to be here and to be able to watch the science catch up. And I think that's really cool. The fact that <laughs> the fact that all of these, like, you know, people who have had this in their lineage, their ancestral DNA passed down of like, hey, this is how you combat anxiety. This is how you, you know, get yourself pumped up, amped up to do X, Y, and Z are just like, duh, we knew this. Looking at the scientific studies coming out and being like, okay, and like. <laughs> You're speaking, again, speaking our language. We, um, Ali and I have a Buddhist practice. That's how we met and we chant. Mm. So we do a lot of like chanting. And I realized through when like learning about this, like how our breath is Ali, when we chant, there's like a lot of, um, a lot of breath and it's, yeah. it's just really cool. And I like, again, learning about this, it just, um, I think the science to all of this is really interesting. And I think it helps me at least 
my personality. <laughs> it helps me commit more, to be honest, right? Like it helps me make that kind of um, choice to be like, okay, this feels good, but it's also actually right. Low can lower inflammation in the body. If I do it regularly, right? Like having, I think knowledge is power, but you know, something too, that I think a lot about, and I've been having, um, some of these conversations with friends who have experienced a lot of, um, trauma in their childhood or teen years. And, and Allie and I have these conversations a lot about wellness in general can be very inaccessible, especially based on, I mean, so many different factors, our race, our, um, socioeconomic accessibility or like there's so many, um, reasons that wellness is inaccessible and it's incredibly whitewashed. And if you're coming into it with trauma, I think the science can help as well because it's like, well, this is how it works, but, but the access point can still be a little tricky because a lot of this work isn't trauma informed. And the Mm -hmm. more, the more, I guess I even unpack and understand and have done like minimal research on trauma and trauma informed, um, I guess wellness for, to just put this all in an umbrella. Um, a lot of what's out there, it's weird. It can be, no, it's not weird. It's just, it can be more harmful than helpful sometimes. And I guess, I don't know if there's a question there, but I guess, I guess here's the question, right? Sorry. As I'm unpacking this through speaking it, it's like through your own experience, right. With your trauma. And as you, as a black woman in wellness, how have you been able to navigate kind of that inaccessibility in the wellness space? Yeah. Um, I, my teacher training was done on a scholarship um, because I was paying off student loans. How else would I have paid? I think at the time it was maybe 4,000 pounds, which may have even in in 2015 or whatever have been like two times the dollar, like 1.5 times the dollar. Um, So it is through these scholarships, through these opportunities um, that need to be curated. Um, I think that a lot of what I see in the studios that I've taught at over however many years, the studios that I practice at for over a decade, I've yet to see a studio space that is truly, truly diverse and representative, especially because I've been living in these, in these larger cities. Um, so not taking the diversity of whatever country, so the UK as a whole, or the United States of America as a whole, but like within the cities that they're placed. So London, DC, Oakland, Los Angeles, I think that there's still a lot of work to do in order to make classes and these practices more accessible. And that's also part of the reason why I think um, creating these digital platforms at accessible price points are going to be uh, hopefully um, a t- create a tide of change. Um, I have never, um, I haven't gone to very many studios where I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is you know, this class represents the demographic of the city that I'm in. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of work to be done there. And I think going to your point of, of trauma, I think that there are 
uh, very few trauma-informed yoga, breathwork, meditation, teachers in general, practitioners in general. Um, and I think that depending on the type of trauma, I mean, I've got sexual assault trauma, I've got the trauma of, of racist, you know, occurrences happen that have happened often to me. Um, and I think that those need to be handled with care by the practitioner. Um, but I think more than anything, there needs to be an understanding of like a baseline understanding of what is and isn't safe for certain people. Um, I don't think that's there. I think that it's it's challenging to find um, trauma-informed any type of thing because even something as simple as, as close your eyes, being directed to close your eyes in a space that doesn't feel safe. And it's just peppering a few alternative words in there that can really change the experience, which is like, if you feel comfortable, close your eyes or lower your gaze, you know, still your gaze on one point. Um, I think that, you know, yeah, there's just in the same way that there's so much opportunity for um, us to diversify wellness um, and make it more accessible. There's also that accessibility as opposed when it comes to creating trauma-informed practitioners. Um, I think just as after the Black Square Summer, a bunch of yoga teachers and yoga studios were like, oh, we're gonna put like black people on our Instagram now. There um, could be a lot more space uh, created for putting these people in positions of leadership in positions uh, where they stand to make a larger impact versus being used for diversity clout in the same way that in now a lot of yoga trainings, there's, you know, and uh, cultural appropriation, hopefully at least like paragraph in there somewhere, there could also be something similar for trauma and for being trauma informed, being a trauma informed practitioner. I think that um, some people will say, oh, that's just so much, that's so weight, so much weight to carry. And it's like, but that's the weight that we carry, that all of us carry. Um, and that responsibility that we all have to create um, more accessibility in every way, shape and form. Yeah. Thank you to, for speaking to that. And um, I think you make a good point. It's sort of also kind of referencing some of the things you were talking about earlier that practices like yoga, breath work, Ayurveda, just as some examples that we've brought up already are thousands of years old in ritual and culture. And, um, you know, I think sometimes in this sort of Western whitewashed, well, quote unquote, wellness space, sometimes people can come to those practices, but through a very sort of like commercialized or commodified sort of way. And they, there might be some physical benefit in that, but to truly like, I think, be able to have some respect that it's not like new stuff, like buzzy, buzzy new stuff. Um, that there's, like you said, there's at least an acknowledgement, especially on the place on, from studios or leaders in the community to understand that like, um, part of educating people in their transition into using these types of practices, even if it's like through sort of like a quote unquote buzzy brand or something like that, but that there is sort of a responsibility in there so that people also can have the depth of 
you know, more of a depth of understanding of where, where this comes from and the wisdom and the um, history in it as well. Um, as a part of, as a part of that, that's just something I was thinking about when you're, when you were speaking to it and, um, yeah, yeah. I know. And then I know that like you're working with open now and open. One of the things that we love about it is how, how accessible it is as far as the um, streaming platform. And I've always, you know, Eric and I've always sort of like been drawn to things that um, make it easier and less of a barrier to entry. If someone's interested in something, not everything is for everyone, but if someone's drawn to something that they feel like could benefit them, um, to have it at, especially at an accessible price point is, is massive. Yeah. And I have a question for you about digital platforms though, mm-hmm. because we're talking about creating accessibility in community and absolutely in a way digital can expand community, can create accessibility, all of the things we're talking about. And <laughs> you also, it can in some ways also disconnect, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea of like showing up in spaces and creating space in like in literal spaces and the benefit of that as well in physical spaces, <laughs> geographical spaces. Yeah. Um, can you just like speak to us, like your observations between you know, I don't think one is good or bad or like there's benefits to both and probably challenges with both. And can you speak to that a little bit or what you've seen kind of navigating between the digital space and, and the physical space being in a, in a space with others? We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand that began as luxury day spas in Austin, Texas, and has since grown to include eight locations across Texas, Chicago, and Los Angeles, as well as a line of bath, body, and skincare born from the spa. One of Milk and Honey's best-selling products is the natural deodorant, which is loved by Zoe Kravitz and was featured in her Vogue Beauty Secrets video. In addition to clean deodorant, their online boutique also offers a wide variety of clean beauty products from top brands, including Osea Malibu, Virtue, Moon Juice, and more. Some of my favorite products include Milk and Honey's Gel Cleanser, the Super Goop Glow Screen and SPF 40, which I now buy on their site, and Osea's Body Oil and Vegas Nerve Oil, which activates the body's relaxation response and helps regulate stress. Their spas are lovely, and we both are big fans of their treatments, and now offer discounts at both the online boutique and spa locations on all spa and med spa treatments. We are also thrilled to partner with Milk & Honey to offer a Courageous Wellness Spa package called the Courageous Wellness Retreat at a discounted rate. The Courageous Wellness Retreat combines a 60-minute Milk & Honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs, focusing on relaxation and stress relief combined with a body brushing treatment, an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush that you get to take home that stimulates your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. 
And from now through the end of the year, Milk and Honey has offered some exclusive specials for Courageous Wellness listeners to use at their spa locations. For any new or existing spa customers, you can save 20% on any spa service with code CWPODCAST. And as a holiday treat from now through the end of the year, at Milk and Honey, Brentwood, and Culver City locations, Bring a friend to the spa and you'll both take 50% off your spa service with code CWBESTIE. You can find links to book at the spa, shop online, and all the codes in our show notes on our Instagram link tree or website. CWBESTIE saves 50% for you and a friend at Los Angeles spa locations and CW podcast saves 20% online at the spa for new and existing customers on any treatment through the end of the year. This episode is brought to you by Dr. Jen natural toothpaste, a toothpaste like no other. There is nothing more important than fresh breath and dental wellness. We've even done episodes on it. And we are so happy to have Dr. Jen natural toothpaste as a sponsor of the courageous wellness podcast. Dr. Jen natural toothpaste is a toothpaste created by a real dentist using nourishing and natural ingredients proven to remineralize tooth enamel to prevent decay. The founder, Dr. Jen, isn't just someone who got an idea and made a toothpaste. She's a highly trained and experienced dental professional. As a mom of three kids and a dentist, she knows how important it is to provide safe, natural, and healthy products for our long-term health and development. This is what started her on the quest to find a natural toothpaste that actually works. After not seeing an adequate toothpaste available, she took on the challenge to satisfy this gap. Bringing in her prior experience as an engineer and working alongside chemists, she created the ultimate natural toothpaste using clinically proven ingredients to strengthen teeth. We are huge fans of the Yummy Toothpaste with ingredients that are good for you and the environment. All products are also made from sustainable ingredients and biodegradable materials. If you want to try Dr. Jen natural toothpaste, you can save 10% with code CWPODCAST, one word at checkout, when you visit www.drjennatural.com. That's www.drjennatural.com. All information can also be found in our show notes. I want to go back to your point of um, kind of these this whitewash space and the appropriativeness uh, mm-hmm. that that we can experience and encounter. I think a lot of this work of meditation, of yoga, of breath work, of Ayurveda, all of these can be really confronting. Um, and I think that's where that's where you get to the gold when mm-hmm. you start to notice these very uncomfortable patterns of how you are or of how the world is at large and how you fit into those. Um, and through that discomfort, sometimes it, it just starts to like, you hit your stride and it just starts to alchemize a little bit. You start to realize like, oh, the privileges that I have as a well-educated, you know, small featured, um, thin black woman are very different than if I were larger bodied if I had even darker skin, if I didn't speak English as well as I do, if I, you know, like uh, you're able to start to recognize the, the, 
the privileges that you have and how to wield those for the benefit of all. And I think that within that, it's it's very uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. And uh, I um, don't have as many privileges as some other people do, especially like white women in wellness spaces whose husbands support them so they can teach all of the yoga classes whenever at any given time and like hang out all day. Um, I think that once we start to recognize those privileges and the power that we do have to be able to create change and are able to um, give up some of our privilege, that's the like uncomfortable thing. It's if we want collective liberation, if we want a world um, that's accessible um, and equitable, that, that means that if you're all the way up here, you gotta give a little and you gotta come down so that you can bring someone else up. Um, so that was just uh, my point about that. When it comes to the digital platforms that have been popping up as a result of COVID, I think that you are completely right, Ali. It, it um, creates community, but it also excludes some folks. Um, the fact that you have to have a stable relatively quick internet connection, which in America costs like bare minimum with like $50 a month. Like that's a lot. You've got to be able to have a device that you can stream it on, um, which is challenging for some folks. Um, even those who maybe are visually impaired or don't are, are tech illiterate. Like there's a lot of um, people that we miss out on that. Um, and we just kind of weigh the pros and cons, which is why it's lovely that open is actually hybrid. Um, we have in person, but also, you know, like being able to drive someplace, like we're in based in Venice Beach, being able to drive to Venice Beach and like have to pay for parking and, you know, have to pay for the class. I think that um, open has been great about creating access for those who need it. So, you know, someone who wants to come to a class, guess, DM me, we got guest passes, you know, send an email to support at open or um, you, if you want a free membership, we can give you one for three, six months, 12 months, depending on, you know, what, what your situation is. Um, and I think that creating community is our biggest goal, whether that be, you know, slightly separate, communities, those who prefer to come in person and those who prefer to, you know, come online. We've got students from everywhere. I've, I think even during Zoom, for the most part, when everyone first all went on to Zoom at the same time in like middle of March 2020, um, it, there was that, that immediate sense of like, ah, I've got people again. And I think over the past two and a half years, as we've like started to disperse back into our real lives, it, it is nice to kind of have that online community, just as nice as it is to have that IRL, those IRL opportunities. And I know sometimes a lot of us have like Zoom fatigue, where just like, ah, I don't want to work out in my house anymore. I don't want to like put headphones on. I don't want to not be with people, but it, it's nice sometimes what I've realized is to have those personal practices just as lovely as it is to be in the studio and to feel the energy of, of others. It's lovely to be able to have those moments to yourself, but also with community, creating that yeah. personal practice has been transformational. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And I think what's cool too with open is like the live, I I've always found like the live classes make me feel a little bit more connected to the community than virtual, which I think is a cool offering, but, um, I'm also a part of, and she's been on the podcast, um, Lauren O'Connell, the modern astrologer, woo adjacent. Mm -hmm. She has, um, two virtual moon events a month and they're live through her community. And she's based in Chicago and people are everywhere. And, um, it's a community. Like I will say like, that is a community and, um, yeah, it's, um, but, but it's interesting. Cause I think when we talk digital, a lot of people, like you said, think it's more accessible. And I think you really highlighted some of the ways it also isn't, you know, even I've, and I've known this one, it's like, you have to have the space too, right? Like the physical space to roll out a yoga mat. Um, and some people don't have that space in their home or in their room. Um, and, you know, as, as we were talking, you know, cause I know like, right. The importance of with a lot of this that we're talking about too, and, um, language is so important. And again, just to, like back up a second when you were mentioning, um, right. Like just even having like a paragraph or something, right. That's trauma informed or, you know, informed about, um, to make something more, make your class, make the environment just more welcoming to all. Um, Allie and I have an episode that'll be out by the time this is released that we're going to do on like language and wellness. And I think it's so interesting because this whole like esoteric type of, um, exclusive only for a small group of people, it doesn't really make sense to me why people would want to even claim that for themselves, to be honest, because as we've been talking about this, this stuff is ancient, this stuff, like being well is fundamentally a human right. And so if our language is limiting, we're excluding people from being well. And so I personally, and I know everyone has their own flavor and choice, but some of the language that's used in wellness, um, I just don't, I don't understand why, if the goal is to, like you said, bring everyone up with us, right. Create communities of wellness, but something, um, something I think too, that I think you speak on that would, that could be interesting to talk about here as well as this concept of like rest as resistance. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's what I was thinking a little bit when you know, we were talking about that. And I was just wondering if you can explore that more because I think sometimes even in these spaces, right. It's like, well, there's so much that needs to be changed. We have to do so much. And all of that is true. And I think this concept of rest as resistance is really interesting. If maybe we could touch on that for a moment. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, I will go back to say that one of the best parts about open aside from, you know, it being accessible, um, if you've got the technological and physical wherewithal in space, um, is that we do have a community chat box. So like, it does feel like you are able to chat with the instructor, but also able to chat with each other. Like people come to our classes sometimes and the chat just goes off. It'll be like Broderick being like, hi, Shai, hi, Kristen. And they're just like, being like, how was, how's your dog doing? I know he was sick. So it's like, it's really sweet and really beautiful that there are those moments um, for community there. And going back, I 
cannot recommend pre-ordering um, or at the time this will come out, purchasing Trisha Hersey's book. Um, she's at the Nap Ministry on Instagram and her work has been transformational. Just being like, no, I don't want to, you know, hustle and grind and beat myself to a pulp and use my burnout and my exhaustion as a badge of honor as it really was, I think, um, in the, you know, even 20 teens. Um, I mean, I know that like in the, I, I grew up in, in the nineties where it was like the American dream, do more, go further, exist in the most like extreme way possible. Um, and I felt that really heavily as an athlete. I think I had like three student jobs as a college student um, and was even in high school, like on all the teams and the societies and like, was like already thinking as a 13 year old in eighth grade, I was like, I'm gonna take Japanese. Cause that means I'll get into a really good college. Like, huh, what, what like kid is thinking like that? And I took Japanese for five years. Has it helped me? Not really, <laughs> like maybe in like a ramen spot, I know what stuff is, but I, it's just the the way that all of um, society puts it and capitalism, let me be clear there, the way that society and capitalism um, profits off of our exhaustion, off of our um, desire to exceed expectations in every way, shape and form. Um, I think yoga and breath work and meditation and Ayurveda, all of these tools of slowing down and reflecting um, and of, of, of going deeper and looking within and also looking without and seeing the systems at play within and without your own body um, have been tools um, in addition to like Instagram and going on like, you know, I follow so many, um, I think Upstream Podcast is a great, you know, kind of anti-capitalist, socialist, um, and again, socialism being a bad word, but not really. Um, I, I think that finding communities um, that are aligned with the need to for all of us to slow down and i think covid was a very great example of what happens when you're forced to grind to a halt a lot of us lost the plot for a second myself included i was just like i'm i'm not achieving i'm not like on my path i had like a a five year plan and i was supposed to cuz for me it was actually a a really wild time because i had just finished my PhD and decided to take a sabbatical to just teach yoga. So I went to Rome and taught on a retreat in Tuscany and got to hang out, um, lived in Rome for three months, then came back and I was like, okay, I'm gonna give myself a year. Um, this was end of 2019, give myself just a year, teach yoga and see where I end up. Then COVID happened and I'm like, shit, I'm stuck. Like. I'm now on unemployment, like not on my previous salary, on my like just trickling here and there yoga teacher salary. Um, my mom ended up getting sick. I had to go be her carer. And it really was, there was a, a reckoning. And in the wake of my mom's passing and like the depression that I've had to battle through um, with my mom being my best friend, her and I being super close. And we were only 22 years apart. And 
she was also really cool. She was like the coolest mom ever in, in the sense that she, uh, she grew up, she was doing A&R for Capitol Records in the 90s. So like I grew up listening to like Tribe Called Quest and like all of these amazing artists. My mom like knew Nas and like Talib Kweli and all of these, um, all these change makers in the, the, the 90s. Um, and I think having that forced pause, having to be a caregiver, um, having to slow down and really figure out what my values are outside of what the world says they should be, um, which meant not being an academic for a little bit, teaching yoga um, and devoting my life for those 11 months to caring for my mother, who was very, very, very ill with a very aggressive, very rare um, form of ovarian cancer very suddenly. Um, so there was a big reckoning for me, at least, of where can I slow down? Where do I actually find value? Um, and what do I want to do outside of what society says? And the answers are rest, love on my friends and families, slow down and create value in the ways that I can. Um, whether that be through teaching a yoga class or explaining how breath work works on Instagram, um, giving people tools to slow down themselves and, and create, uh, the path, uh, with agency, create the path that they want to be on without um, society in the back of their head saying, oh, but you got to make 100K. Oh, but you got to like pausing. And it takes a lot of courage to do that because there are economic factors that stop us from being able to say, screw this, I'm going to go live in Bali. And like when freaking white women are always like, just listen to your heart, like go live in Bali with the people. And I like bathed in this water and was given, and I'm just like, stop. We need to stop. recognize, but like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we need to recognize like that that's not what everyone can do. Um, but I think that finding those small moments of changing uh, turning the dial down on the outside world and turning yes. the dial up on what your mind body is saying um, are opportunities that add up over time, whether it be like being like, oh, I'm going to, you know, Hawaii and chilling for a few days, or it be, I'm going to go to an ashram in the, in the Himalayan mountains. Like you figure out what, um, what ways you can pause. I'm going to take five minutes today and do a breathwork track online, you know, like for free, I'm going to slow down and sit in silence in next to a tree for five minutes. And like, it's, it's those tiny little moments that add up. So that was a very, very circuitous long answer. <laughs> no, I got for you. It was great. And I want to thank you also for sharing your experience. I know, um, like it can be very personal, especially with family stuff and sharing your experience with your mom. I, also went through a difficult experience with um, my stepfather's passing during COVID as well. And I know that it's so, sometimes that stuff is really difficult to talk about, but I appreciate you sharing it because we find that like, it's, it's also a part of um, we sharing on this podcast. The reason we do this podcast, because it helps people when they 
are going through something similar, know that, that they're not alone in that. And, um, so first I wanted to say thank you for courageously sharing about that. And also, yeah, I've been, it's interesting. I've been following the nap ministry for a few years now and, um, it does, it's helped me to think differently. And when you're talking about this, like forced pause, one of the things that Eric and I have talked about this too, that, and I guess it is our in deeply ingrained relationship with capitalism, but what happened in the beginning of COVID, I remember being like, like, as you said, like, Oh, Oh God, what's happening. And then I realized, wait a second. I've always put my value in being a human doing, but we're not called human doings. We're called human beings. And I have value because I am not because I do. And it's not to say that again, you're talking about creating value. That's like the baseline of our Buddhist practice and philosophy too, is like, how can we create value no matter what, like out of any circumstances, even the most difficult. And sometimes that's when you can create the most value, which is like the hardest work there is. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, I'm glad you shared that experience too, because I, I even recently had a conversation with someone. I decided to like do a dialogue with someone who's um, a colleague through some other work who I know has different, um, I would say political and philosophical views on things. And ah. we actually had, I was telling him how progressive I am. And, and then I would even call myself like talking about concepts and um democratic socialism and things like that. And very, and actually, you know, as, as a self-proclaimed libertarian, he and I had a very interesting conversation. And what I appreciate is that we were able to hold like respect and space to share. And he even thanked me for sharing points of view that I was making. So, um, like just he he said, I think the words that you choose are really thoughtful and it, it's made me see that you have a really good heart and maybe we believe in different ways to something, but like it also helped me maintain humanity in my counterpart with dialogue that I didn't agree with fundamentally in some in some aspects, but like being able to have space for that kind of conversation. And I bring that up because I realized in that I was able to see through my own experience, which what you were just talking about, this idea of like how we wear hustle, how we wear challenge as a badge of honor. I realized that that came up in that conversation and I was able to recognize that and have compassion for it too, because I did that for so long. And I know so many of us do, and it's intrinsic in our culture. And so that it's not necessarily like me making a judgment that it's a failing on that person, but to be able to like have compassion and say like, no, you don't have dignity because you've earned dignity. You have dignity because you're a human being. Yeah. And being able to say that and knowing that like, maybe that was the first time that person has ever heard that, Mm -hmm. that concept, because so it's really, it's really interesting. And I just want, I guess I'm just like sharing my own little experience because it was, it was pretty recent, but I, I appreciate you sharing that because it helps. I think it's helped me and it's helps other people to just be introduced to concepts that are so fundamentally different than 
everything we've been taught about our value in this world. Yeah. I mean, we've been indoctrinated from a very young age, especially, I mean, I'm 33. So I was born in 89 where it's just like exceptionalism is key. The only way that you'll get ahead, the only way that you'll get what's due to you Mm -hmm. is by going above and beyond and being amazing at everything. Mm -hmm. And there's this like myth of a meritocracy, but capitalism doesn't work like that. Like they'll just keep exploiting you, keep taking whatever they can. And the better you are, the more they want to exploit you and the less they want to pay you. So I think that it it takes a lot of reframing and a lot of really uncomfortable moments. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, for some people that was COVID happening and being like, okay, what do I actually value? Who am I outside of what I can produce? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much. I feel like we could have a part two at some point. You're gonna, <laughs> I, I was going to say, you're going to have to come back for a part two. And, um, oh, this has just been such a joy to talk to you and get to know you. And we do have three wrap up questions, so yeah. we're going to get to them, but I'm going to ask we would Jason, do you, I need to know your astrology. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I knew she was oh going to ask. God. I knew it. Oh, I, know. I was just like, I have to, I was like, do you know your big three? <laughs> and I bet some of our listeners, cause we are a we would Jason podcast may be thinking the same thing. So, um, if you know your big three, please share, yes. but if your sun sign, I'll take, Oh ma'am, I know it all. <laughs> Okay, great. I yeah. am a Taurus sun, mm. so a lot of earth, a lot of grounding, mm-hmm. Virgo mm-hmm. moon, so have been critical, very nitpicky, yes. but also earthy and grounded yes. feet on the earth. I was, my mom was a Virgo as well. So mm-hmm. like, I definitely get the like particularness, yeah. which is why I ended up doing all the things that I did. It's like, like a PhD. Right exceptional. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, but I'm a Gemini Mercury. Venus ascendant and Jupiter. Wow. Oh my gosh. I love, I love, thank you. Thank you. I just was like, I have to know I'm yeah. a Gemini Jupiter, yes. um, but I'm, I'm a Libra sun, Libra Mercury, but okay. Libra and Taurus are both ruled by Venus. So different yeah, for sure. Same rulership. Anyway, yeah. Allie is a triple I'm just, Aries. I'm just Aries. All triple Aries. Wow. Okay. Yes. I see. I see that. A I lot of, Honestly, but I was like a lot of fire, but consistent fire. <laughs> yeah. fire. I like as a, as a Taurus, like, I feel like I also know a lot of Aries and I can see some like similarities. Similar there are. One thing I will say is I got a lot of eighth house planets and Mm -hmm. that shit is a nightmare, which like eighth house is like about death and rebirth and my Jupiter return, like Mm -hmm. my, sorry, my Saturn return, excuse me, in the eighth house. Oh my goodness. Wow. Nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) Zero out of 10. Do not recommend No, I have planets in my eighth, but yeah, that's a doozy. No, I was like, not that though. <laughs> but astrology is really illuminating and I love it. I'm, um, Erica's yeah. very good at it. I, I just dapple and she tells me things. That's, that's I do. I know everything about Alex. We all need a I'm, friend to just like tell us. Tell and tell us. I'm just like, I don't know what it, where is my thing? I don't know where it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm very air dominant. Actually, I have no water, but I do have, um, I'm, I have I'm air dominant, heavy air little bit of fire and I'm, I'm on earth that I have Capricorn energy. So that keeps oh, nice. me very grounded. If I didn't, I'd float away. If I didn't have that 
heavy Capricorn placements. Same Gemini. (laughs) Like I got a lot of Gemini. So I'm just like mercurial conversation. That's why I love podcasts. (laughs) You need your Taurus and your Virgo. That's why my Capricorn keeps me to the ground. So I have like four Capricorn (laughs) placements. Thank goodness. Anyway, I'm going to get to our real wrap up questions, but I just, I had to ask anywho. Um, okay. So the first way we start to wrap up. The first question we ask is what are some of your daily self-care non-negotiables? What is your self-care practice? Like, even though I'm sure a lot of what we've talked about is intertwined in it. I mean, I'm glad we talked about astrology because I'm a Taurus and I love some sleep. Okay. (laughs) One thing about me, I'm gonna go to sleep. So (laughs) if you're telling me to go out at 11 o'clock, especially after COVID, like I think COVID for me meant that I drank a lot less. Um, I almost don't drink at all anymore um, versus like very heavy binge drinking in college. Um, and I think for me, paying attention to what what's going into my body has really, really helped. So I'm Vata and then Pitta. Um, so I have to have a lot of warm, nourishing foods because my digestion's a little bit like, eh. um, so I like have to make sure that I slow down when I eat, I chew, give me a salad. It'll take me an hour to eat it because I'm just like chewing my food for forever. I think for me, the biggest things are my sleep, um, what I'm eating, making sure that I'm for the most part eating healthful foods with a little bit of fun, little, little sprinkle of fun in there. Um, and yeah, I, making sure I get enough rest is, is my number one and trying to wake up and go to bed at the same time every day to make sure my circadian rhythm stays as set as possible. Thank you. And the next one is what does being courageous mean to you? Being courageous to me means confronting yourself. It means looking at the unattractive aspects that we all have to our personalities, to our way of thinking and um, setting them down, not carrying them again as um, not indulging um, and not ignoring. So kind of finding that middle ground of, okay, this is what I know about myself. How can I move forward? And I think it is very, a very Buddhist principle um, as well. Absolutely. Thank you. And the last question we ask is, has there been a book that's particularly inspirational to you along your journey or just something that's meant something to you on any topic? Speaking of Buddhism, um, Pema Chandran's When Things Fall Apart is um, a beautiful, beautiful book. I think as I was dealing with the um, traumatic loss of my mother, um, when my practice fell away, I feel like when I answered, you know, about what my daily routines are, it's more so about sleeping and eating because for a long time, I wasn't practicing yoga, the physical asana. I wasn't um, in meditation or as deep into breath work as I had been in other times. And I know people always say like, when things get hard, that's when the practice finds you. But for me, I was just freaking exhausted. I didn't have the like mental, physical capacity for any of that. Um, So reading helped, um, pausing, even scrolling Instagram on like Buddha Instagram, like all of these, um, these moments of play, but making them a little, uh, a little bit more beneficial than distracting. Um, So yeah, I think that's 
that's that's my book. That's my baby. I love it so much. I'm going to read it again. Thank you so much. We are so grateful for you being here today and we've loved the conversation. So um, if anybody wants to find you, follow you, practice with you, where can they do that? You can find me on the open app. There's a uh, live streamed classes every day. Um, there's on-demand classes. So you can practice meditation, breath work, and yoga with me anytime. Um, and then also you can find me on Instagram at Tara Zinnamon, T-A-R-A-Z-I-N-N-A-M-O-N, like cinnamon with a Z. Um, you can also email me. I read my DMs. I'm, you know, not super IG heavy, but I check in and I love to connect with people. So I hope to see some of y'all there. Thank, Thank you, you so much. <laughs> You're so welcome. Oh, last thing. Um, free. 30 day trial on open. If your listeners would like, um, that's just Tara T A R A three zero all caps. Um, you can pop that as a promo code. So you can oh, practice well. for free. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of courageous wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.